0: Turn to chapter Romans chapter one. We're gonna uh just recap a little bit about what we looked at last week. Many of you know we we were in verse eighteen. We didn't leave verse eighteen last week. And there was a good reason for that. And I'm gonna re-read verse eighteen just to bring back to remembrance what we talked about. But in verse 18, it says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And we talked about the wrath of God, and I just want to bring up just a few points about the wrath of God. One thing about the wrath of God is this, that it is pure. It is holy. The wrath of God is perfect. Unlike Our anger or our wrath. And we talked about last week, what does it mean to uh, be angry? And, And we've seen in Scripture that God actually commands us at times to be angry. In Ephesians, we've seen that. It was a command. It actually said, be ye angry. But we've seen also that God was talking about a righteous anger. Not an anger that comes from our evil hearts but an anger of those things that God hates. And I hope that I was able to convey that. It's okay at times to have a righteous anger. And in this world that we're living in, it's, it's easy to get angry at other things. And we we're also told in that command to not do evil with that anger. You know, one thing we have to grasp as believers is this, is that we are not fighting flesh and blood. I have to remind myself of that constantly. But we are fighting what the Bible says is principalities and powers. There are things going on around us that we can't even see. There is a real enemy that is trying to get at you. Try to get your mind off of what it should be onto other things. We also talked about here that, that Paul is talking about uh, two different groups, and, and i got to remind you where Paul is at. I, I believe I did that in the first part of this series. He is in Corinth, okay, and he's writing to the church in Rome. Those believers that went there from the day of Pentecost—we've seen that Scripture backed that up. That's how that church started. They were converted, born again, received the Spirit of God the day of Pentecost, and they went and they took Christianity into the Rome, into Rome. But think about this: Paul is in Corinth. Does anybody know where Corinth is today? Ooh, I thought Jackson was raising his hand there, but he was just stretching. It's okay. It's in Greece, what we know of of Greece today, okay? And at that time, Corinth was this evil, perverted, sexual place, probably the capital of everything that is bad. You can go there today still in the city of Corinth, and you can see where they still worship sexual idols and gods. And so Paul understood And he was in a culture and in a time that he understood exactly what the Spirit of God was writing through him. But he also labeled, last week we've seen two different groups of people, and it's important that we see this. It says this, against all ungodliness, and again we define that in the Greek last week, it's those that are completely void of God. We know that in Psalms, I believe it's 14.1, it says the foolish man says there is no God. He says this in his heart from deep within. There is no God. So we have the ungodly, but then we have the unrighteousness of men. Two different characters here. Two different things. And the unrighteousness of men was talking about those that have faulty relationship. A faulty relationship And I really asked you to search your heart last week and say, am I in the place that I have a faulty relationship? You know, in the last year and a half, I can tell you that I I have lost friends in ministry. And it's because they have a faulty idea of who Jesus is. And we said this last week, we better not be making Jesus into something that the Bible says that He isn't. I ask you the question, have you not heard this phrase? Well, my Jesus would not do this. My Jesus would not be so crude. My Jesus would never do this. And I always go back and I say to people, you know, it was the last year at this time that, that I had to stand here in front of you and I had to let you know about some things that were happening here in the church. And afterwards, somebody said to me, that was just so mean. And I had the conversation one-on-one. On one, I said, no, listen, that was so biblical and it was done in love. And I referred to them to the time where Jesus was at the well with the woman and He told her, go and sin no more. And then I told them about Jesus who in the beginning and the end of His ministry went into the temple and cleansed it. And at one point it talked about Him chasing them out with a whip overturning tables. Sometimes we can make Jesus into something that he's not. And I hate to say this, but in the United States, we have made Jesus in a lot of ways this very feminine, long-haired, white-faced, blue-eyed person who we see as weak a lot of times. All I got to say is when he returns, there's going to be a rude awakening. Because he's going to be fierce. There's going to be bloodshed. I'm glad I'm not going to be here. Praise God. Amen? Amen. You agree with me. I love it. So that will catch you up just a little bit. And we talked about the suppression of truth. Those that hold down or cover up truth. And, And I said this, it's almost prophetic, isn't it? We're seeing this in our world today. We're seeing this in our government today. The truth being suppressed. This is very, it seems very, uh, 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 deep to the day that we're living in. For truth, it seems like you can't believe anyone. And this is why I've been telling you in, in the Gospel of John, that's why, again, where John actually tells us, listen, we need to let the Holy Spirit lead us in truth. And, and the promise in that Gospel is that the Holy Spirit will lead us in all truth. Not just the truth of God's Word, but the truth of all things that we're facing. And I said last year, or last week, the truth of critical race theory, the truth of of, uh, Black Lives Matter, the truth of homosexuality, the truth of the coronavirus, the truth of what our government is, is telling us. But so often we go to news sources and we, we try to get the truth from them. And listen, if there's anything that you have not learned over the last year and a half, or anything that you should have learned over the last year and a half is this, is that you have to wait almost a month before the truth comes out. Isn't that the truth? I've learned that. Even though things can go around this globe within minutes, a lot of times what is disclosed is not the truth and the truth is suppressed. And we're seeing some of those things come out now. And and I just want to remind everybody, I had somebody get a hold of me this week about the govern, government's CDC ruling. We we are not going to make you wear a mask here. But if you feel comfortable wearing a mask, that's fine. We just ask that you wear that mask and, and that you sit you know, keep your distance from folks. But again, we, we from the very start here said this, that again, we are going to love you in the place that you are. But I encourage you to let the Holy Spirit lead you to, through whole truth. Now, my sermon title today is The Evidence of God. The Evidence of God. And you say, well, Pastor, that just seems so weird. Why would you be preaching to us about the evidence of God? How many here have ever seen God face-to-face? Okay. Thank goodness, because I would have had to talk to you after service. The Bible tells us if we were to see God face-to-face in our state, what would happen? We would die. Now, we can see the effects of God, can't we? It's kind of like the wind. You know, this last week we had some strong winds, a tornado that touched down within the last week in Armada. I watched a video. It ripped a roof right off a building. I mean, it was just really something. And we can't see the wind, can we? But we can see the effects of the wind. we can feel the wind. And what's so cool about this is this. is Even though none of us have seen God face to face, Jesus said this, those that believe and have not seen are blessed. So you are blessed this morning. Amen? You are blessed this morning. I am blessed this morning. But I see God everywhere. Everywhere I see God. I walk out my drive here to church. I see God in creation. I see God through the visible work in other believers' lives. I see God in circumstances. We say here at Momentum Christian Church, and we have taught this time and time again, that we hear God five different ways, that God will speak to you through His Word, through His Spirit, through circumstances, through other believers. We've all experienced God speaking to us those ways. But here's Paul writing to a group of people who have been completely converted. In fact, as we continue in Romans, you're going to hear phrases like this. I've been washed. I've been cleaned. I once was that, but now I'm not. And can you identify with that? I can. When I was saved, when I was born again, I remember the shame and the guilt just leaving I remember feeling clean. I remember feeling washed. And every time I repent, I don't know about you, but I feel clean. I feel lost. And so we're going to dive into a couple verses here. As I went back through my sermon, it was like there's no way we're going to get past verse 23 today. And that's okay. Because I don't want to rush this. You know, this is a message that in a lot of churches will never be preached because it doesn't make you feel good about yourself. In fact, maybe today there might be someone here or a few people here that might say, you know what, I've come to the realization that maybe my relationship with Christ is faulty. Maybe I have a different view of who God and who Jesus is. And the only view that we can have of God and Jesus Christ And the Holy Spirit is this, is through the lens of God's Word. So it says this in verse 19, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His internal power and divine nature, has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse for although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Now, We're going to try to cover these verses this morning. We're going to look through them. We're going to see what God is trying to speak to us and what He inspired the Apostle Paul to write to those that were in Rome. But again, I believe these words even today are very prophetic in time that we are in. So, what is Paul saying here? Paul is simply saying this, that there is evidence apart from the written written word and the prophecy and the written revelation that we hold in our hand. There is an evidence of God. And again, when we started this series, I said this, that they actually use the book of Romans in law school still today, even though they don't maybe believe it. But he used it as an example because Paul had a way and he was a master at defending what he believed. So they used the book of Romans as far as teaching lawyers how to defend. So remember that. Keep that in your mind. God has given all men evidence of Him. And He's done this in past victories or acts of wrath that we see in His Word. God definitely shows the evidence of Himself when a small shepherd boy named David slew a giant. And he did it with a stone. We definitely see the evidence of God in His Word when the Red Sea parted and and then it closed on their enemies, Pharaoh's army. We see the evidence of God in His written Word. And it's amazing. Wouldn't it be amazing to be able to witness that? I mean, I think it was me and Jeremy that was talking yesterday. So often we often say, wouldn't it be so cool when I get to heaven, I can't wait to talk to Moses. I can't wait to talk to Noah. Because again, we see even in Noah's life, we see that the hand of God, the evidence of God. But I can't wait. And I've often said this. Now, I think it's going to be the other way around because I think that Noah, I think Moses is going to come up to us and say, tell me what it's like to have the living God living inside of you from the day of your salvation. I'm trying not to spit in the communion. I need to stay away from there today. Some of you are like, man, I've seen that. I've seen it. The evidence of God is everywhere we look. And the sad thing is is this, is that no one can find Him on their own initiative. Or by their own wisdom. Or even in their searching. But God has never left man on His own. He is always and He always will make Himself evident. Always. We know in John three sixteen that God has the desire that what no man perish, and God gives the evidence to everyone. But we know this too in John three verse eighteen through twenty, where it talks about those that are going to love darkness more than light. God knows these things; He has foreseen them. I love that song that we sang today because it talks about God foreseeing us. Like Scripture says, even before He created the earth. See, we say God knew us because the Bible says in our mother's womb, but it even goes further than that. Even before He created the earth, He knew you. He foreseen these things. And that is so powerful. It comforts me in knowing that I'm in a powerful God's hands who loves me, who's chosen me, who has allowed me to be born again. God has always revealed Himself and He still reveals Himself today. You know, you have heard this said before and and we've had missions conference in our past and we support missions here, but I don't believe we've ever had a missionary get up here. And I do remember a missions conference years ago that I was in that, that the mission speaker got up there and said, unless... We get out there and go overseas and share Christ with everyone because the Great Commission tells us we have to do that. The Lord will never come back. How many know that that's not true and that's not a fact? And I've seen a lot of missionaries that have become casualties because they were hard-pressed at a missions conference to go on the mission field when they were never called to go on the mission field. It almost happened to me and Missy at one time, or Missy and I. In the church that we grew up with, the school that I went to Bible school in, when we got done with Bible school, they came to me... The leadership did, and they told us that they felt that we were to be called to Africa. And I had never had a missionary calling in my life, as far as missions overseas. We're all called to missions, and we're all called to be missional. And God intervened in, in the fact that we were told at that time, listen, make sure that you don't have children because children would make it very difficult going on the mission field. But after you get on the mission field, you can probably have children. And I was just so conflicted. And, and we started praying about it. I started getting counsel. And it was just like everything in me was saying no. But still, boy, I had to answer to the president of the Bible school. I was going to have to tell him what he was hearing was not of God. And what happened was, within that week, and Missy's not here today so I can share this story. Within that week, Missy grew a bump on her neck. I'm not joking you. The size of a softball. Immediately. It had a scare. It was like, what's going on here? And we took her to the doctors and guess what? It was just some ab, now mostly, don't please next week, don't be go staring at her neck. Her neck is normal now. But we found out she was pregnant with our first child, Shelby. And I knew right away that's God's answer to us. We, we, He pre-planned this. He knew. And I remember going into that meeting, and I remember our pastor praised the Lord and thanked the Lord. He stood up and he's actually, the president of the Bible school, we got angry and he said, "I told you guys not to get pregnant." And I I was like really confused. I was looking at Missy, looking at the Pastor, and I was like, "This didn't. I don't think this happened this week." You know what I'm talking about? And we're really confused because this should be happening here to her instead of here. But the thing is, is this, is, and that did go down like within a week. But God revealed Himself in that situation. And knowing that there was a child in Missy's womb, and knowing that that child was going to be there before even the world was created. God reveals Himself today and He always has. I think though, what does Scripture say here? What does Paul say? Why can't people see the evidence of God? It says here, for what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. The word plain means simple, able to be revealed. Why do they miss it? And it says that God's even shown it to them. And in verse 20 it says this, "...for His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived." And I look at our world today and I say, why cannot people see, even though God says here, His invisible attributes, namely, comma, His eternal power and divine nature has been clearly perceived? And I sit here and I say, why can't people see this? Why can't our government see this? Why? Can't the nation see this? And he's been doing this, the scripture says, ever since the creation of the world. Ever since the creation of the world, it says that he's been doing this. You know, I was thinking about this. How does God show us that he's evident? You know, I ran across something that was very interesting. How many here know who Helen Keller was? Okay, a lot of you know who Helen Keller was. If not, you can watch the, the movie. It's a great movie. I'd actually recommend it. But she was a girl who was born and she was born with uh, her sight. She was born with hearing. She was born able to to be able to use her mouth and produce sounds. And what happened was she actually... Came down with a disease, a disease that left her with no sight, no hearing or speech. And there was this wonderful woman and her name was Ann Sullivan. And because of the efforts and the love of Ann Sullivan, Helen learned to communicate through touch. And she eventually learned how to talk. This is where we get Braille today is because of Anne Frank and Helen Keller. And when Anne Frank was able to be able to or Anne Sullivan was able to communicate with with Helen, she actually asked Helen about God and and Helen's response was this is that she already knew him but she didn't know his name. Pretty incredible, isn't it? God will reveal Himself in even supernatural ways. And what I mean by that is this. Listen, a lot of the things that you see supernatural today are put on and performed. Okay? I'll just say that clearly. It's been proven. God can move in the supernatural whenever He wants to. But a lot of the things that you see today are produced. I was thinking about the wrath of God last week. There's... Several different types of the wrath of God that I didn't share with you. And I'm just going to revisit that real quick just so you get an understanding. There is a personal wrath of God. And we're going to look at this as we continue on. It talks about where God finally wipes His hands of an individual and gives them over to themselves, the Bible says. In fact, we're going to see that in verses to come. And then there's wrath of God where God is trying to get our attention personally. Really hard discipline. And then there's a national wrath of God that comes upon nations because they've walked away from God and they've put other things in place. And I hate to say it, but I I believe that we're probably falling into that and we have been falling into that as a nation. I have many people ask me, Pastor, do do you think that there's going to be revival? This is just my opinion. I don't think so. I think we're past that. I pray for that. I pray for personal revival in my life daily. I pray for revival within the house of God. Because that's where it's gotta start. It's gotta start in our own lives, in the house of God. And in the history it has always poured out of side the church. You say, man, what a bummer. Really, Pastor Dave? But my hope is in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. Do we pray for these things? I believe that we should. But I believe as I look through Scripture and I look through the view of Scripture, I believe that we are where Rome was when it crumbled. I hate to say that. I love our country. I love this nation. I love our freedoms. How many have seen this week all the companies that announced if you don't get the shot, you're not going to have a job? How about about our hospitals with nurses who were, we call, on the front lines, and they were, who are now being told, you're going to lose your job if you don't get the shot. And they're finding now, and I don't know if you've seen, you know, again, truth suppressed in the UK, that they're finding out now that the best way to not recatch the, is it the Delta variant, is that you eventually got COVID the first time and fought through it, but they're finding out that people that were vaccinated now they're they're catching it. Like 40% are recatching the Delta Delta variant listen, I, I don't think it's nothing to be afraid of. I'm going to tell you why. Pastor Zeal in India, 38 of the lepers there had the Delta variant and survived. And they've got huge health issues going on in a leper camp, in a leper church. Listen, it's so important that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us all truth and all these things that are going on day by day in our country. Another wrath of God, and I think that we have seen this here in our country, and I believe it's gone out from outside this country, is false teachers. God uses false teachers to bring wrath. You know, I think about that and that has been an issue in the United States here since about the 50s. Just last week, I seen a video by a man that I um, I really appreciate. His name is Vodi Bacham. Vodi Bacham is <laughs> truly becoming a hated man in the church today because of his stance for the Bible, stance for the Word of God. But he was saying this, yep, we returned back to Zambia because he's a, he actually went on the mission field there with his family. He's actually setting up a Bible school there in Zambia with the whole idea, and I never knew this, is to send missionaries out from Zambia into Europe. You know why? He simply said, because who's going to evangelize Europe if we don't? Who would have thought that missionaries would have been coming out of Africa. Amen. I I praise God for it. So we know that the wrath of God is going to be revealed in a real way in days to come. But God has always revealed Himself to men. Always. You know, I think about what Paul did at Mars Hill. And again, this has been pretty neat because we're doing this series and we've been in the series in Acts on Wednesday nights. And, and that's starting up this Wednesday again. So if you want to come out and see what we're studying in the book of Acts, it is verse by verse, a little bit quicker than Sundays. But um, I think about the last few times that we met, we talked about Mars Hill and what Paul did there? And I think about how God even revealed himself and showed the evidence and Paul laid out the evidence of God. And I think in verse, uh, chapter 17 in Acts, verses 23 through 28, spells it out just in a beautiful way. And you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read it. If you're taking notes, it's Acts 17, 23 through 28. It says this, For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards Him and find Him, yet He is actually not far from each one of us. Verse 28, For in Him we live and move and have our being. And I love what Paul lays out here. He makes it clear to them, listen, that God has made everything God has made the world. He has made the heavens. He doesn't live in temples or buildings that man makes. There's nothing of Him that is made by human hands. Paul makes it clear that He even made man in His own image. The evidence of God is laid out here for them to see. You know, God makes it clear also that He controls everything. He controls nations, boundaries, their futures. Listen, do you think that anything that's happening and going on today surprises God? Absolutely not. We know that God puts people in leadership in leaders in places. We know that. And we're going to see that in this study. Amen? Amen? We need to say that because we need to know that God has placed even the current administration as evil and as corrupt as things are, He has placed them there. God has done this for centuries throughout history. It's usually to bring His people back to Him to get their attention. I don't know about you, but has God gotten your attention? It says this in John nine: The true light which gives light to everyone was, it was coming into the world. And you say to yourself often when we read this, but if you don't get the true understanding and the true meaning of this, the true light which gives light to everyone what's coming into the world, we often think that this is talking about salvation. You can misread it that way. But what John is truly talking about here is it's not about salvation, but it's about Jesus Christ about His Son being revealed to men the evidence of God, not only in Christ, but also through His Son, Jesus Christ. And He shows Himself and reveals Himself through creation. In John 1, 1 1-3, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Who is the Word? Jesus. Amen. We still believe that here at Momentum Christian Church. Because that belief is not in all... Christian dumb today in what we call the big church. It has been the weirdest time this past year and a half for me. Lost another good friend in ministry because he doesn't believe Jesus is the Word. He actually said to me, you believe that literally? Yeah. Yeah. And this is this, He was the beginning with God and all things were made through Him. Who created everything? Jesus. Amen. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Without Jesus, there's nothing. Nothing. So we go on and we continue on in this verse. Verse 20, For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have not been made, so they are without excuse. Paul now is talking in the second part of this verse here, he's talking about God's natural revelation. But he's just not talking about just the things that he created and those things that men cannot comprehend. And I'm thinking about that. Do you know that science, it seems like science has it, progressed. And I've lived on this world 52 years, and it seems like throughout those 52 years, science has progressed. Do you Do you agree with me? We know things about science that we never knew before. And what does it always do? It always points towards God. It's incredible. But there are still some things that scientists cannot comprehend. It was about four years ago, sitting on Lake Mitchell up in Cadillac, that I was just sitting there on this beach and and here it is, an inland lake. Kind of a smaller lake compared to our lakes that are around here. You can drive within a couple hours. You can see a couple of huge lakes that you can't see across. Lake Mitchell, you can see across. But I was just sitting there and I was just had my feet on the beach, sitting in a chair just relaxing with, with earbuds in, listening to something. And, and I noticed that sometimes the waves would come short, come long, come short, come long. Sometimes my feet would get wet. And it occurred to me what God said to Job. The oldest book in the Old Testament that he commands the waves to stop and when to stop and start. He tells them how far up on that beach to go. They still haven't figured that out. They know there's such things as currents and water. They know that wind has an effect as waves, but again, something they don't have perfectly down and you know what I believe when they do it's probably gonna to point to God. I was thinking about this. The things that we cannot comprehend. How about salmon? Yeah, I'm a fisherman. I, I like I, I've been fishing for king salmon now for a couple of years. I really enjoy it. I enjoy it because just the fight of catching one of those big fish, but they taste awful good too. And for you that are haters as far as salmon I used to be until I started eating them fresh, and there's nothing better. But those salmon, even here in our Great Lakes, or even in the ocean, do you know that where they are born is where they return after leaving thousands and thousands of miles and they come back to the place that they were born in that river every year to reproduce? Sometimes thousands of miles. They still can't figure that out. You know what scientists say? It has to do something with the magnetic pull. It has to be something in them that just—we uh, we don't know why this is, but they they do it. I, I was listening to a mass, uh, a message from um, Pastor Jack Hibbs. Uh, I think it was a week ago, and he was talking about a bird that actually. Pretty smart bird, he was saying. He says this bird actually uh, it stays the wintertime in Hawaii. Smart bird. And when they're in Hawaii, the female and male they have their young in Hawaii where the weather's nice and warm. But after probably about six weeks, seven, eight weeks, they they decide to take off, and their young are not even big enough to fly, but they are big enough to fend on their own and. And guess what? They fly to Alaska to spend their summer in Alaska. It's quite a flight. And their young is left, just left there. But you know what? After about three, four weeks, those young birds get enough strength and guess what? They join mom and dad every year in Alaska. How do they know? because they have a God that has designed everything that we see. We have a God that has showed and tried to show His creation the evidence of His goodness and His love and His mercy even in nature. Think about planting a small seed and watching it grow into a big tree. You know, when we Moved into our house, and we, our house where it's at right now was a cornfield. When we moved there, I got heavy equipment. I did everything in there, dug a pond, and and I remember planting trees, maple trees that were this big, up and down our driveway. With the thought of one day, and I don't know what I was thinking at the time. It, it is beautiful. Some of you have been in our house. That's first thing most people say. Oh, this is so pretty. And now I say, hey, why don't you come over in October and we'll see how pretty it is together when I'm out there raking leaves five, six days. But those trees just started by a seedling. In fact, I have a couple of them that started by a seedling. And they're now 30, 40 feet tall. The creation of God has been revealed. And some of these things can be clearly perceived, he says. Some of these things happen over and over and over and over and over and over. I think of a birth of a child. Most miraculous thing I've ever seen in my life besides my own salvation. Each one of our children, when they were born, I was able to be there. And I cried as I held them. Just what a miracle. When they were born, I cried. I remember I remember the first Shelby, I remember when she was born. I had this idea that I was gonna videotape everything and nothing got videotaped because it was just so incredible. I could see God in that process. But why can't man see them? about what King David writes throughout the Psalms. I love reading through the Psalms. Here, I love what King David wrote in Psalms 19.1. It says this, The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. David's saying this, all you have to do is look outside. I mean, think about this. Think about scientists. Think about the North Star that has never burned out. That is still true today that has directed some of us before. Maybe in the woods when you're lost or maybe during military training you had to use the North Star. I think about that star that guided what? The shepherds to Jesus a couple years after He was born. I think about that star that has never been burned out. It is fixed in the sky. How can we not see God? And He says that He numbers each one of them. Nothing about what He says about our hair. So am I, Bob. So am I. But still, there's a lot up Well, to you, it might not look like a lot up here, but there is a lot up there. And I'm not going to take the time to count them. But He knows. I think about this thought, and I looked this up. With giant telescopes, astronomers can see objects four billion light years away. Four billion light years away. A distance of 25 sept trillion, sept trillion miles. Wow. You know, wow, I just sit there and I just say, unbelievable. You know, how can men not see God? It says this in verse 21, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. Now I think, again, if you understand that idea of the ungodly and the unrighteous, understanding that definition in the Greek, the unrighteous having a faulty relationship with God, not knowing the true and living God. Oh, my Jesus would never do this. Oh, my God would never allow this to happen. Oh, God would never cause anyone to suffer. But I think right here, Paul is addressing those that are, are the Unrighteous. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became frugal in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Again, I want to remind you God's wrath is perfect. It's perfect. But it's also Justified. God is a God of justice. You know, our kids, I remember our kids growing up and they'd always say, but Dad, Mom, that's not fair. And I'd say, listen, there's no such thing as fair. It's just. I tried to teach my kids that when I was a young age. Listen, God is a God of justice. He is just. It, the idea of Him being fair is not even in there. What God rules and what God's will is, it's just. Try it on your kids. It works great. Next time they say it's not fair. Just say, no, God's he's just. It's just. Paul makes it clear they knew God. And they knew God through His nature. That's what he's talking about here. And general revelation. And there are men who still reject Him. You know, I can't help but think about those that preach a false Gospel. Name it and claim it. If you think hard enough, if you, if you just, I, I listen. Can I just say this? And this is not pointed at anybody here, but I just cannot stand it. And maybe this is a righteous anger thing when people say, "Oh, send prayers and good vibes." Ye, send prayers. But if you believe that good vibes, I I guess, as you said, Pastor, you're just being too hard. I I guess I I wouldn't mind if it said good thoughts, but good vibes. You know, there's there's, there's people out there teaching the Bible to tell you that because of your sickness, you just don't have enough faith. it goes against everything that Scripture shows us. You think that Job had enough faith? I think Job had more faith than I do. I have no doubt about that. How about Peter? How about Paul? How about all the disciples that died very badly? Did they not have enough faith? How about Jesus who said... Son of man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. He did not have enough faith to have a pillow. I think about those that say they know God. And even though God has shown them through creation and through written revelation, they still mistreat him, they mishandle him. They made God and they became frugal in their thinking. Empty thinking. You know, Paul gives us four ways here that men reject God. The first one is they dishonor Him. And that there in the Greek means this, not to glorify God, not to magnify What are we called to do as Christians? As believers? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That song that we sing today, Psalm 90, Teach Me, Lord, to number my days. And I said this during worship practice. Do we really do that? Do we really ask God to teach me give me wisdom on how to number my days. And what that means is this, God knows the number of your days. But What this means is, what are we doing with our day? Those 24 hours. Listen, I encourage you, if, if you find yourself not glorifying God and you find yourself dishonoring Him, not magnifying Him in everything, I'm going to say this again, everything is spiritual. The apostle Paul said this, glorify me in everything that you do, whether you eat or drink. Everything is spiritual. The second way we see that men reject God is it says that they were thankless. They were thankless. It says God, they did, they, they, they did not honor Him as God or give Him thanks. They weren't grateful. There was no gratitude, it means in the Greek. Showing no appreciation. How, how are we at thanking God? I don't know about you, but I thank God for His mercies every morning, all through the day. I thank God when I pray at a meal for His provision. I thank God for my job and the ability to do it. I find myself going through my days thanking God. Except when I'm distracted. When His will doesn't line up with mine. Anybody else there? We see that another way that, again, that God, Paul shows us here, that we reject God is by being frugal in their thoughts of Him. And that word frugal, frugal there means to Think in a foolish way to be idolatrous. Put up idols other than God. Think in a foolish way. Anybody ever been there? Anybody put something in front of God? Boy, it's quiet in here. And then the, the fourth way we see that Men reject God is, it says here, and their foolish hearts were darkened. That word darkened there means to be obscured, not sure, uncertain, uncertain. Listen, brothers and sisters, one thing I want to share with you today, we serve a God that there is no reason why you should be uncertain if you believe in the sovereignty of God, if you are in Christ, because that is the key, please remember that. Scripture tells us time and time again, it talks about Christ being in us and us in Christ. It talks about Christ being crucified and us being crucified in Christ. Time and time again, I didn't write these Scriptures down, but they're coming back to my my memory time and time again. It's about us being in Christ. Listen, if you're in Christ, There is no time that you should be uncertain. There should be nothing that rocks the world. Even the toughest situations that you face, God's grace is available because of what Christ did on the cross. Again, I will constantly divine God's grace as Jesus. The unmerited favor of God, something we didn't earn or deserve. But we lose, we lose focus sometimes when hard things come our way. We get our eyes. We start thinking foolishly. Listen, nothing surprises God. Please remember that. So they reject God those four ways. And in verse 22 it says this. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Anybody experienced this in the last year and a half? Yeah, amen. We have seen this time and time again. In our world. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Have you ever been in this place? I have. You ever get into conversations where you don't know much about something? But you kind of let on like you kind of do? And you just, it becomes apparent that you're just being foolish. You don't know what you're talking about. But Paul is talking about here, and we see King David, again, I'm going to bring this verse out because I think it's important. It's a theme through these verses of Psalms 14.1. The fool says in his heart, God does not exist. They are corrupt. They do vile things. There is no one who does good. No one who does good. Again, this is counting and it's talking about us today. You've heard me say this, that the only thing good in Dave DeVlomick is what? Jesus. If I didn't have Jesus, folks, you would not like me very much. I'd be very selfish. I'd be very judgmental. I'd be very well, a person that would be comparing myself to you. You wouldn't like me. You wouldn't want to hang out with me. My wife wouldn't be married to me. My children would want nothing to do with me. My old man wants to claim that I'm wise. My old man wants to say that I know everything. But my spirit man tells me, or the Holy Spirit inside of me tells me, that without Christ I'm nothing. See, those that claim to be wise outside of Christ is exactly what the Bible defines as a fool. Void of God. Void of God. We're so smart, but oh, I gotta be careful here. The Holy Spirit's like saying no. Let's set our hearts by the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit to not be those that say that God does not exist. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, the One that quickens us, the One that's been sent as our Helper. And listen, I'm going to encourage you, church, please cry out to the Holy Spirit told you this before. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. What is he doing? Is he miss for you? No greater prayer warrior. That comforts me that know that he's praying for Dave. It comforts me that it's just when I'm about ready to say something that shouldn't, he stops me. The Holy Spirit quickens my body. Listen, in this day that we're living in, listen, you need to you need to cry out for the Holy Spirit to be active in our lives. We need to walk out those Holy Spirit lives that Paul says. You know, I think about this verse. The natural man cannot see anything perfect in their natural vision. It's because the natural man's thinking and his sight is perverted in the things of the Spirit of God. The foolish man has no perception because he rejects God's revelation and he has no hope of finding any truth in himself. You know, how many of you ever watched... I, I watch a show, it's called Alone. It's like one of the few shows that I watch. It's on Thursday night. History Channel, yeah. I've watched that show since Season 1. And I actually, unknown to some of you, I actually put in beyond that show, the second season. And I went through the third round. You know, I... Some of you know I've slept out in weather 10 below with no tent. Me and my brothers done those crazy things. I, on our last camping trip, my son-in-law's just to, I guess, show him what the man I was. I started every fire with a flint. You know, it was that, that kind of thing. I know all about how to do that bushcrafting stuff. I know how to hunt and fish. And I thought, man, I could go do this show. And this is like the eighth season, so it was right around the time we we're looking for church building. I'm thinking to myself. that would really help the church right away build a building or buy a building. So I'm going to go hang out by myself for as long as I have to. My wife was just so weird. She was up for it. I don't know if we just weren't getting along at that time, but she was like, yeah, I'm behind you. But one thing I've noticed throughout those shows, often you get these guys that go there and it's like, Oh, there's bears. I'm leaving. Yeah, they tell you there's bears and there's mountain lions, things that can kill you. And then there's those that leave because they hurt themselves accidentally. But it's always the ones that always, oh, what am I doing here? I wasn't meant to do this by myself. I wasn't meant to do this on my own. So if, 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 if you'd be strong enough to do that, man. You, you and God, you have a tight relationship and. Man, as long as I could bring my Bible, I think I'd be pretty good. And you know, um... but I I think about why they leave. It's because the idea is that there's no fellowship, there's no sharing back and forth with their spouse or loved one. get to the point where they start believing things. and In fact, one of the contestants that i seen, he actually said this, when I've sat here, I've thought about all the things that I could have done, or all the things I've done wrong. And I think about here why men claim to be wise, but they became fools. And it's, it's simply this, is that again, there is no revelation. They reject that revelation of God. There is no truth in trying to find truth in ourselves. It gets hard to determine what's true and what's false. (laughs) If you put your trust in the news, that's been something the last year, right? What's true, what's false. What works, what doesn't work. I still still laugh about the, the toilet paper shortage. People believe something that, he, that wasn't even true. The store is emptied out of toilet paper. It says this in Proverbs 18.2, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. I, I, I love Proverbs. In Proverbs 29.11 it says this, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. In Proverbs one seven it says this: the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs ten fourteen says this: the wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the fool brings ruin. Proverbs twenty nine nine: if a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs, and there is no quiet. I think about Ecclesiastes seven nine: be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges its in the bosom of fools. It says in Proverbs 18.7, a fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. I think of Proverbs 14.7-9. through Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of the fool is deceiving. Fools mocked at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. I think of Proverbs eighteen six, a fool's lip walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. Proverbs fifteen seven The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the heart of a fool. You know, as I look at these scriptures and I look through the lens of scripture, one thing I understand is this is that I should never claim to be wise. I should never claim to have wisdom outside of Jesus Christ. In verse 23 it says this, "...and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things." So instead of seeing the evidence of God they actually make things into gods. Things that God created. You know, it's funny to me, anybody here that has ever went through public school, you've been, and you've been told about evolution. I remember going through that in school back years ago when I was in school. And thank goodness I had parents that were deprogramming me when I was coming home. I think about what scientists and those that are void of God say about how the world was created. And that's the cool thing. I just heard a report this last week that scientists, as they continue to study this, they're realizing now there was a Creator. I just read that article this past week. That the world just didn't explode or there was a huge explosion and all of a sudden there was creation. Listen, me and my brother, we were real pyromaniacs when we were younger. Remember when you could actually buy M-80s? Some of you that are old enough. I mean, not the dumbed-down M-80s, but M-80s. The ones that you put under a garbage can and it locked the garbage can 30 feet up. There was many times we took those M-80s and we blew things up. And you know what? I remember once blowing up one of my mother's potted plants. And you know what? There was no putting it back together. There was no way hiding that mishap. The dirt and the plant was shredded. The pot was in a million pieces. Nothing we could do before our parents got back was going to make that okay. And they that the world. There was an explosion and all of a sudden it came back together and things were created and this and that. And you know, There was a lightning bolt and... Little microorganisms that grew an eye, and next thing you know, they somehow they crawled out of the water. It's funny here that the God that we know, that sees everything, knew that that was going to happen, because I want to point something to you in verse 22 here. It says, claiming to be wise, in verse 22, 23, it says, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and the birds and the animals and creeping things. Listen, if you go backwards here, you'll see evolution. Creeping things, animals, birds, mortal men. God knew that there was going to be this thing called evolution even here. Back this long ago. Listen, I would encourage you as we close today. And I hope this comforts you in a world that just seems so Crazy. You know, next week we're going to be looking at verses twenty-four to I'm hoping twenty-eight. Verse twenty-four reads this Therefore God gave them gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Woo! sounds like a great sermon. Invite your friends. These are verses that usually shrink churches, so I'm prepared. But I have to preach it because it's God's Word. It's what we need to hear. But I think about that. God gave them up. We're going to see that is probably the most severe part of the wrath of God. But as we close today, I just want you to think about just a few things. Again, I just want to remind you, we're going to partake at the Lord's table in communion. So I'm going to ask um, the singers and musicians to come up. What I really, again, I just felt so compelled because it's so easy to have a, as I, as I closed last week, it was just again heavy on my mind throughout this week. It's so easy to have a faulty relationship with Jesus Christ, to be unrighteous. Because the unrighteous, and again, what makes us righteous? Christ, right? Christ is our righteousness. The Bible tells us that. But if we've made Jesus into something that's false, God the Father into something false, and the Holy Spirit something that is not real, we are a fool. There's no easier way to say it. And we can trick ourselves into believing that. Some of the garbage that's being preached today, and again, I guess I'm so open to it because there's YouTube channels, I believe that I have to keep on top of what's happening in the church today. As a whole, because you guys hear about these things much later most of the time than I do. And questions start being asked. And, and I believe that God has put me here and placed me here to somehow bring some guidance through the power of His Word and through the lens of Scripture to these things. You know, this last week, let me, let me just... I've got to hear my photos here. This is what we're facing as a nation and country. And we're going to talk about this next week. This is from WebMD, and I checked it out to make sure it was true. But the American Medical Association, as of this last Monday, said this, that sex should be removed as a legal destination on the public part of birth certificates. These are things that are coming in our country. These are things that we're going to start seeing. and, and again, you're going to, as we continue on in, in chapter one, you're going to say, man, this is, I, I, it is prophetic. I may know the Word of God is prophetic. But these are things that we're going to be wading through. You can go hide yourself away, but listen, this is going to affect you. I can clearly say this, and I know this is a fact because I looked up the statistics and I know in my personal life, we're going to have to talk about homosexuality because that's coming up. And how many know that back 50 years ago to know somebody that was homosexual or opened up as being homosexual, it was very uncommon. But I would bet to believe that not one of us know somebody, maybe even our own family that is homosexual now, because that has increased 47%. And it's because it's simply this. God has given them over. And we're going to talk about that more and more. Listen, it doesn't mean that there's not hope. And I encourage you to reach out in love. the matter is for us to be able to do that we have to have a right relationship with God, not a faulty one not making Jesus into something that He isn't I pulled up a post on social media that came up in my timeline yesterday it was something that I wrote six years ago as I was a youth pastor or I was doing youth pastor and filling this role for many of you know I've been in youth ministry for 20 years even before I took the role on here so I have a lot of experience. Some of you went through our youth groups. I think of one of our elders here, John Elizabeth, who went through a youth group a couple churches ago. But at that time, I was writing, and I had such a heart, and what I said was this, is there's such difficult illiteracy in our, in our youth today. They love concerts. They love, uh, love bands. They love going to... Uh, conferences and weekends away but none of them really have any biblical convictions or know what the Bible says parents I, I assure you that your kids are being taught the word of God back there right now I, I, I know what the curriculum is that they're being taught I went through it
1: I, in fact I
0: think I was even part of the guy mean Rich Newman that selected that curriculum back then They're being taught the Word of God. It's so crucial though that you're teaching them inside your home also about God, about His Word, living out your lives in a worthy manner that they can say, I truly can see Christ in Mom and Dad. We can have a faulty relationship, a faulty belief of God and completely be blinded to the truth. Next week, I'm just going to warn you, we're going to get into the Word. I'm not going to compromise because I can't. We're going to see clearly what God says to those that have been given over. But I'm also going to talk how we can be the most effective in that situation. It's not easy. But it's the most loving thing that you can do. So I'm going to encourage you right now as you come and you partake, Come and take communion. Um, so, just right now, search your heart. Ask yourself: Is my relationship with God, the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, is it faulty? Have I made them into something that they're not? Have you ever found yourself saying, "My God, wouldn't"? Because there is a lot of things that our God wouldn't, but have you seen what scripture has to say about it? Or are you just making things up? So as the praise team sings to this song, and it's very fitting, come to the Father. Maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you're secure in your relationship and walk with Him, and I say, Amen, praise God. Cling to Him. Don't rely on your own wisdom. But depend on Him and everything. So if you come forward and partake of communion, I would encourage you today, communion is for the believers, those that are, born again, in Jesus Christ. He talks about Paul. We're going to see this where he says that you can partake in an unworthy manner. That is one way, not being a believer. We want you to partake and we would love to, to explain to you what it means to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today. So please don't leave without talking to me or to one of our elders. It also talks about us having ongoing sin in our lives. It talks about us having ought in our hearts against one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you have unforgiveness in your heart towards another believer I would encourage you not to take communion today or repent ask God to forgive you so would you please come forward and take the elements and then I'm just going to ask you to sit in your seat and just reflect and search your heart as Paul encourages us to do